welcome to The Curiosity of A Child Episode 28 Very exciting episode this time It is, it's very, very exciting because we have got an interview, haven't we? Mm-hmm, George McGavin And who's he? Um, a biology master He is, he's an entomologist, author, academic, television presenter and explorer And also a very, very lovely man mm-hmm. And he chatted to us earlier today Yeah and we are still buzzing and very excited by it. So, should we go straight into the interview? On with the show. On with the show. Well, hi, Anton. Hi, Richard. How are you? Good. Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you, George? Oh, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just had a very nice day. We went out in the field just by our house here, hunting for insects. And there, there wasn't too many, actually, I have to say, but I, I did find a nice. A nice squash bug, which is very nice. Coreus marginatus, if you want to know. <laughs> we need to look that up. Yeah, we do that after. Yeah. So I guess um, for you, you're wherever you're going, you're always looking for insects. Yes, I have to say. I mean, as a biologist, if you if you don't know about insects, you can't really call yourself a biologist, really, because they make up the vast majority of all species on earth i mean we we've we've described about a million and a half mm. of everything and most of those are insects but we're pretty sure there's between eight and ten million undescribed insects yeah. mainly in rainforest habitats but of course at the rate that's going um they might not survive us that, that's the problem mm. yeah yeah, it's disappearing so quickly. Um, so we've got to do what we can to either record them or ideally protect them before uh, that happens. Well, I, to be honest, I, I have thought about this for some time because when I did my degree at Edinburgh many, many years ago, I genuinely thought that we would eventually name everything on Earth, that we would have names for everything, that we would mm-hmm. describe the entire biological fauna and flora of the Earth. I now realise that will never, ever happen uh, for many reasons. One, it's a huge job. Two, there are relatively few experts these days. The, mm. the experts get very old and then they die. And if they don't pass on the enthusiasm and the expertise to younger people, Anton, you included <laughs> here, um, that, that is, is the key thing. So that, that's partly why... I resigned my Oxford job after 25 years because mm. I didn't really feel I was having any value added because all the kids that I was teaching were there because they really wanted to be there. And what I wanted to do, and that's why I went into TV, uh, was to reach a wider audience of people who might not have thought about it. Yeah, actually, I was thinking with um, like your TV career, because I guess you went into that maybe a little bit later in your kind of career. So, yeah, um, I guess with that, are you surprised by the opportunities you've had and the places you've been able to visit, and also kind of what, what kind of sparks that? How did you did somebody approach you, or did you approach somebody? I, I've, I've been very fortunate uh, in that it sort of happened gradually. Um, so I was about 55 when I resigned my, my Oxford job and I'd been doing films for about two years or three years by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realised that 
this was probably a good thing to do. So I resigned because I don't think you can do both jobs. I think, you know, somebody would get annoyed eventually because you weren't where you're supposed to be. Or you could yeah. film this or Oxford would say, well, you're supposed to be doing this. And, you know, so, so I, I mean, I was extremely fortunate in that I had not one dream job because Oxford for me was the dream job. I mean, that really mm. was. And to get a second dream job doing TV, <laughs> You know, it was pretty amazing. And I have been very fortunate in going to lots of interesting places, mainly jungles, which I, I love, uh, and filming weird and wonderful animals. So, so I, I, you know, I, yeah, I've been lucky. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think it's exciting for somebody like you, isn't it, Anton, to actually be able to see that. So you left your academic career, but you're still in the field in a way. So I think for maybe young people like Anton, it's exciting to be able to see that it's not just... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think... Well, one of the things that I say to younger audiences who, who perhaps don't realise that this could happen to them uh, is that when I was very young, I had a, a phenomenally bad stammer. I mean, it really was appalling. Uh, and it got worse and worse until I was about... 14, 15, when I couldn't speak at all. In fact, I virtually refused to speak for about a year because there was no point. There was absolutely no point in speaking. Uh, and if, if you had sent somebody back from the future to meet my 15-year-old self and say, right, George, you're going to be a university lecturer yeah. for 25 <laughs> years at Oxford. And once you've finished that, you're going to be a television presenter. I would, I couldn't have believed anything more improbable. Yeah, it does sound so like the opposite job. Um, if you got something like that, <laughs> it's quite cool. But, but it it just shows that that you never know what's around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I will say, if if an opportunity, if, if if something comes up and you you know you fancy it, grab it with both hands because you might not get that chance again yeah good advice that definitely mm -hmm. yeah take the opportunities when we can yeah. um just getting back to when you're on television i remember the first time i saw you was probably or kind of remember was when you were climbing inside the log was it in borneo oh. i think uh, that was brilliant <laughs> i loved that so much and well it's so, i can it's tell so you a story about that because it, it nearly you know didn't happen because the the tv company BBC production are, are very worried about the health and safety <laughs> aspect. And we do have to mm. fill in these humongous amounts of A4 paper saying, you know, yeah. is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous. We're going to a jungle, you know. Um, and I saw this log, which was about a hundred feet long, a big tree had fallen down, completely hollowed out. And I said, oh, great, I'm, I'm going in there. And they went, oh, no, you're not. I went, no, I am. No, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, well... I am going in there. You've got about five minutes to get a camera before I start going in because I'm going in. Yeah. So it was, there was a hell of a scramble while these, I got a cameraman and, and get it all set up and I just went off in the lawn. I didn't take a huge risk because it was straight. I could see with a torch all the way to the end as far as I could see. Mm -hmm. If there had been something really dangerous, like a big snake or something, I would have seen it long before I got to it. That's not to say it couldn't have moved a lot faster <laughs> forwards than I could have moved backwards, uh, but it was a fantastic experience. And 
we found all those amazing uh, whip spiders and the prey, they were actually eating them and stuff. After I got out of the log, uh, I realized that I had been attacked by little tiny, I'm not even sure what they were, even today. Mm-hmm. And the whole of my torso and body and legs were covered in little tiny bites, which itched for about a week. Oh. Absolutely appalling. But it was a great uh, sequence. And yes. uh, lots of folks actually thought that they had made me go in. <laughs> it was completely the other way around. Yeah. Are your camera crew like scared of um, bugs sometimes? The camera crew are pretty hard, and I have to say, <laughs> I mean, I respect them all enormously. Uh, they don't want to get bitten or stung or, you know, attacked in any way. And they very rarely do, of course, because they are behind the camera, at least. But yeah. I do remember a fantastic uh, sequence in Guyana where we were finding, hunting for the, the world's biggest spider, which fits, <laughs> you know, in my hands like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was holding it up to the, the camera going, look at this amazing... And as I held up, it jumped forward you know, <laughs> at the... And I, he did flinch a bit, I, I must say. He did go through like that. Yeah. 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 But they, they are pretty battle-hardened, all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to, like, go through uh, dangerous stuff, like um, Komodo dragons as well. I remember watching something <laughs> earlier. <laughs> there were things like yeah, that where they're the, just standing there. <laughs> well, I can tell you this now. The most dangerous thing you can do on an expedition, the most dangerous thing, <laughs> is hire a car. Okay. Fly in a helicopter. Yes. 80, 90% of all accidents and all fatal accidents are the result of helicopter flights or accidents in cars. Uh, Very rarely would you get into a serious jam with an animal unless you were very, very stupid and, and, you know, you know, held a coral snake in your in your <laughs> underpants, I mean, I mean, or you know, said hi to a bear, hello bear, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. So, so you, yeah. I mean, there are risks. I don't like people who try to antagonise the animals. It, it's not so much done these days, mm. but I, I don't like people who get too close, yeah, because that that is asking you know, for trouble, basically. Yeah, I guess if we leave them alone and don't interfere too much, they don't generally want to be aggressive. It's only if no. we disturb them or interrupt yeah. them that, that... But of course, I mean, you know, with, with, with insects, I mean, you know, and, and there, are some, there are some insects that you don't want to be attacked by, but I, I remember <laughs> filming in Venezuela and I found this enormous, enormous cricket, I mean, huge cricket with mandibles like... Like you know, late. <laughs> and I I held it in the right way, of course, because you do have to hold its camera and examine it. Yeah, you don't want to hold it too tightly because you might hurt it, but you don't want to hold it too lightly because it will escape. Uh, so it, you, you, there's a fine balance. Well, I was holding this thing, and I just hadn't realised how flexible its head was going to be, and it turned around and went. <laughs> And sunk its mandibles into my thumb, in into the, the quick at the here at the end of your thumb, just down here. Ooh. 
Oh. And it locked its mandibles right through the flesh and it wouldn't let go. And I was going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you don't want to just pull it off. No, you, no. You <laughs> rip its head off, you know. So I, I was going, no, stop biting, stop biting, please, stop biting. Anyway, eventually it did uh, <laughs> release me. But my <laughs> God, it was painful. Mm. See, my closest story to that would be I was about Anton's age, and I used to love playing with ants in the garden. I was fascinated by them, kind of watching with their nests and things. And uh, I picked one up, and it kind of bit the bit of skin by my thumb. So not quite as yeah. bad as yours, but uh, <laughs> I felt that too. <laughs> yeah, we were going on um, a nature walk in Guernsey, and we had some wood ants, but there's not many wood ants in Guernsey, I don't think. And mm. we were they were massive um, for the ones that we see. And I picked one up. No, I don't think I picked one up. I was I think I put my hand next to one or something, and then it it bit my thumb, and it was stuck on my thumb. It's like, please go yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I'm I'm always amazed at how how terrified some people can be about the wildlife in the UK, the <laughs> insects and spiders, I mean. Uh, there are a lot of people who are scared of spiders. And it, it's interesting because there, there is no spider. There are only about 10 spiders in the UK that are big enough to break your skin with their yeah. fang. And as far as I know, nobody has died of a spider bite. Not in the whole history of of spiders in the UK, uh, and yet people are, are very alarmed by them. And I, I think it's it's I think it's passed down from, you know, if your mum was scared of spiders, there's a likelihood that you will be as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you leave them alone, and this is I think the case for all all species. If you if you respect them and you try and understand them, you will learn about them and you will eventually care about them. Uh, and uh, as long as you don't annoy them, uh, things will be fine. Yeah, just treat them like people. Well, no, <laughs> no, I, I treat insects much better than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have any um, favourite insects, like a top three or something? So, well, well, I mean, well, I like, I, I've got five insects that have been... That, that, that have my name. They, <laughs> they have been named after me by other entomologists. So I, I suppose they're quite cool. <laughs> but yeah. um, as, and there's a, a shield bug and a cockroach and an ant and a plant hopper or something. But anyway, uh, they're, not, they're not terribly, you know, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Apart from the fact that they have my name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think bees as a, as a group of insects, mm. bees are probably the most important, the most interesting. And I would rate them very, very highly indeed. The most amazing insects that I've seen, although they are pretty small, are uh, tree hoppers. And tree hoppers live exclusively in South America. And they have the most bizarre shapes. The, the rear of the of the um, the thorax is extended into sort of spines and various, yeah. various shapes. Almost you you can hardly believe them that they're so weird. And of course, it's it's all to do with the fact that if you don't look like anybody's meal, then you know <laughs> you'll survive. But mm. Um, you know, evolution has produced a whole variety of really bizarre shapes. So they, they are, I think, the most remarkable in terms of shape. 
<laughs> there's probably not so many insects in Guernsey. It's not quite like being in the rainforest or somewhere. Um, but we saw a hummingbird hawk moth a few years ago, and that was amazing. It, it looks so much like a hummingbird. Now it's kind of hovering out flat. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, hummingbird hawk moths are a regular migrant over to the UK mm -hmm. mainland uh, every year if it's warm enough. Uh, and uh, I've had people ringing up uh, auction before and saying, oh, I've just seen a hummingbird. I go, yeah. <laughs> I think the fight was a hummingbird hot moth. And no, 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 it was a hummingbird. And no, no, I think, I think it's a hot moth, really. And they, they sort of almost can't believe that a, an insect can behave and look in the same. But I mean, in terms of size, I mean, there are some insects that are larger than, than hummingbirds, uh, you know. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. you know, at, at school, it is very common for kids to call invertebrate animals mini beasts. Well, of course, there are insects that are really quite large, and yes. there are vertebrate animals that are really, really quite small. So it's, it isn't a very useful name. I know what it means, but it's just call them invertebrates for goodness' sake. <laughs> Actually, there's one thing I always think with insects because we always throw spiders in with insects, mm. or as a generalization. No, and then people people do, and I wondered what your yeah what your reaction would be. Are you kind of no? They're they're arachnids. They're something different, or yeah, I I, I do always correct it. I, I'm amazed at how common this is. That, that how many adults will happily claim that a spider is an insect? I'm going no 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 no. <laughs> count count the legs, okay? Count the legs. It's very simple. If they have six, it's an insect. If they have eight. It's an arachnid. Yes. <laughs> End of story. Yeah, but but it's it's you know, I'm amazed it still happens actually. Yeah. So it's a bit of a uh, a pet peeve, is it, when people do that? <laughs> I I tend to not get too het up about it now. I, I but 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 I always correct somebody in the nicest possible way. Yes. <laughs> actually, on another non-insects topic for a moment. Yeah. Um, one of the universities, they were asking for people's names for woodlice because it seems all over the UK there's all different names. Oh, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ray. So, I was curious so about and things, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, you'd know the proper Latin name, but do you have a, a name that you would call them? Well, woodlice, I mean, uh, I mean, woodlice is, is the most common uh, of the common names for mm -hmm. them, yeah. I suppose, I suppose, yeah. Yes, we had um, cheesy bugs as well, which my mum yeah. used to call them. Cheesy bugs, yes. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> this, of course, is one of the problems with using English common names, is and particularly in plants, uh, because mm. a, um, a common hedgerow plant may have 20 or 30 names, depending on where you are in the UK. You know, so if you go to some part of the country and say, I am looking for some flopster, whatever it is, they go, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> flopster muckins, oh, well, they, I see you have some there. No, no, they're granny's bonnets. No, no, they're not. <laughs> so, of course, Linnaeus came up with a, with a plan so that everything had a proper scientific name. That, so that there was the end of confusion. So he, he brought order to yes. a, a pretty chaotic world. Yeah, being able to understand which plants are which or which animals are which is so important. Yeah. For kind of, I mean, you, you, it, it, it's interesting that taxonomy, which is is often regarded by the young people today, 
as being rather dull and dry, dry and boring. Of course, it isn't. It's a it's a critical critical thing mm. because if you don't know what you've got in your hand or what you're comparing things to with, you know how how, how can you achieve any science? You you need to know what the things are. Uh, yeah. And if you don't know what they are, and you can't say that that's the same plant as this or that's the same insect as that, how can you build any expertise? You know, so so it's 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 a critical science. It's the very, you know, it's it's the cornerstone uh, uh, of 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 all uh, sciences. So yes. you know, you you really ought to learn your your bugs, basically. <laughs> How many million was there? Another? Million and a half. Uh, there's between eight to ten million, probably, but a million described. The UK has about twenty-one thousand species, yeah. which is quite yeah. a lot. I mean, I, I, I don't know all of them by any means, uh, and uh, you know, the, but there are individual experts who are experts in horseflies or bees or dung beetles or whatever, you know, and and uh, you know, a few hundred. Uh, species is is quite enough uh, for one individual yes uh, but you we we do need experts and that of course is the great advantage of twitter which i'm now on i've been on it for about four years and originally i thought well twitter is a bit of a waste of time <laughs> twitter anyway you know but actually you meet an incredible mm. number of really passionate individuals who are real experts and of course if i find something that i'm not quite sure about I can find an expert in you know seconds image on online, and they'll say, "Oh yes, it's a it's a bloody bloody blah," you know, which is fantastic. You know? Yes, yeah, amazing kind of new resource. Um, because I've done it a few times with um, a couple of spiders or different insects, yeah. and uh, yeah, places a tweet and like the British Spider Foundation. I can't remember what they're called, um, and they've helped to identify yeah, yes. and a local uh, entomologist, the British well. Arachnological Society. Thank BAS. You. <laughs> yeah, at BAS. No, uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, that's, that's the only way you'll learn is from other experts. And of course, in the days before the internet, you might meet a couple of experts you know, at odd times. But now you've got easy contact with a whole army of experts who, yeah. if they've got the time and they've got the interest, will share with you their expertise. And, and I always try to help. I mean, I always try, if, if I'm asked my opinion, I will always try and help them. And if I don't know what something is, I will pass it on to an individual who I know will help. Mm -hmm. With our podcast that we're doing, um, we're not experts in anything, but we're doing it to try and be curious and, um, yeah. well, we see the first proper interview we've done so thank you very much so it's, yeah, it's amazing to actually be able to speak to somebody who's knowledgeable in a field and is passionate because it's uh it's it's really inspiring and it kind of gets you thinking so yeah the, how the internet and twitter and things like that have enabled this communication is fantastic it absolutely has i mean I, I mean i when i was anton's age i, I pretty well was on my own i mean obviously at school i could i could speak to my biology um teacher who who was obviously interested but other than that uh there wasn't really anybody i knew particularly um so so it is it's incredibly useful now i have a question for anton 
So, Anton, you're you're at school and you're year what? Year? Year six. Year six. So what do you think you'll be doing, say, in the next 10 years? How, how old will you be in 10 years? Um, 20. <laughs> 20. Okay. So 20. What, what do you think you'll, you'll be doing? Mm, I'm not sure completely, but I, I kind of want to become an author. Maybe because I like writing. Um, right. Maybe I'll do a little what? bit in looking into insects as well. <laughs> well <laughs> you got the bug. <laughs> you got the bug. Well, um, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, when I was your age, I didn't find anything else interesting except what I could find outdoors. I mean, to me, the the outside natural world was mm. everything. I mean, obviously there was history and there was art and mathematics and physics. Some of which I find mildly interesting, <laughs> but you know, a, a rock pool, a woodland—that that was it for me. You know, and and I and I haven't changed. I, I haven't found these things to be not as interesting as they were. I, I find them to be equally, in fact, you know, extra interesting. Um, so I, I hope I will continue to mm. find out new things about the world. Well, of course I will. Uh, and you've got it all ahead of you, you lucky chap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so where did you grow up? Um, was it somewhere where there was a lot of kind of woodland or... or not not really, no. I, 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 I grew up in Edinburgh. Um, so it's not a, as warm as it is in, <laughs> you know... <laughs> uh, but yes, there was the highlands and there was the, the lochs and the and the shoreline, of course, which was all all great. Mm. Uh, but I I didn't uh, I, I wouldn't say that that growing up in a in a major urban area exposed you to a huge amount of wildlife. No, uh, although it was pavement or something. Huh? Maybe some ants on the pavement or something. Oh, yeah, oh, heaps of ants everywhere. Um, and you could, I mean, the, the, the thing about insects is that although we know pretty much the entire fauna of the UK and we know what they do vaguely, are they herbivores, are they carnivores, are they, you know, whatever, we, we don't know the details of what they all do exactly so mm. there, there's actually masses of work to find out and i often say that you know an average 10 year old child could make a new observation uh, that, that hadn't been done by anybody else before in a garden or a compost heap if, if they just you know, applied themselves uh, there, there is masses to find out i think anton's pretty good at um being curious and wanting to examine things and learn. Um, but I think it's difficult to stay because a lot of kids, they spend so much time playing games or watching TV. I don't know if it's more of a problem than it used to be or if well, it's just every parent feels that and how we can kind of engage them or encourage a bit more curiosity. Yeah. Well, I, you know, take them outside. Go outside yeah. as much as you can. Get, you know, find wild habitats, find... Good habitats, you know, unspot habitats, shoreline, woodland, hilltop, moorland, whatever. Engage yourself with it. I mean, I, I I know there are a lot of kids who spend a lot of their time in darkened rooms yeah. playing 
whatever the games are these days, Fortnite or some other hideous <laughs> thing, I don't know. <laughs> and I just can't see that. I cannot see the point in that. You're not learning anything mm-hmm. about the real world. You're learning about somebody else's imagination, the person who actually put this fictional thing you know, all together. Yeah. But I, I would, you know, I would sooner say I know the behavior and the cycles of every British earwig or fruit fly or cricket yes. than saying I have got the fastest ever time to kill how many ever individuals it is in a, in a war game. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't make, make any sense to me at all. Yeah, exactly. It's something I said to Anton before as well is um, through like us talking about things. Um, say if you visit somewhere in the world, uh, if you go to a city or a country, just knowing its history and about it's going to make it so much more interesting yeah. rather than just going there as a tourist. Actually, if you can engage and go, OK, this is where such yeah. and happened or it's that knowledge yeah. on anything, insects, history. Um, yeah, you, you, you can't make people interested i mean either they're interested or they're not yeah um and if they are interested in it anton is clearly interested in, in the natural world which is great you don't have to try that hard but you do have to make sure that anton gets to go to interesting places uh, mm-hmm. because obviously you, you don't have a car yet or, or <laughs> and you can't set aside although the island where you are is it's fantastic it's got it's got some great habitat of course it's very overbuilt now of course yes uh, but you know i could i i spend a week every so often on on alderney um and i i adore alderney it's, it's a very nice habitat and nice coastal stuff and i could spend a day just walking on the coast path there, just look, looking at all the animals and plants and, and finding out that, you know, can I name all the plants at least? I mean, am I able to name all the plants? An amazing thing, at Oxford, where, where I taught for 25 years, the first-year students actually were pretty poor at natural history. They, they didn't really seem to know very much about trees in the UK. I mean, I think very few of them could name and recognize five British trees. And I'm going, why are you doing biology? <laughs> you know, if you can't name five British trees. Yeah. Um, weird. So my parents, they were, um, when I was Anton's age, we go for a lot of walks around the island and um, they were like very good with naming all the plants and the trees. And um, they passed it down to me. I've got a terrible memory for names. So I always forget. So I need to keep refreshing myself so I can try and pass it on to Anton. But again, it's, it's just, like you say, it's so much better if you can, if you know these things and you can experience them. Well, it, it can go wrong the other way. So I can remember lots of big, long names for plants and animals. <laughs> In fact, hundreds thousands of them but i can't remember my kids birthdays okay <laughs> yeah. so i get into trouble for this <laughs> so i go oh is it, is it your birthday god dad if i was a spider you'd remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is your funniest moment that you've had 
maybe it was like an encounter with, uh, I don't know, an orangutan because we watched something with that or something else. The one that they showed just last week uh, on Sunday was when we were in Sumatra and I was uh, helping the, the release of a few of these orangutans. And one of the slightly older ones called Julius was very naughty and he wasn't <laughs> playing the game at all, basically. Because I was very hot and sweaty, of course. And salt, of course, is wonderful. Man. Oh, all yeah. Animals, they, love yep. salt. they love salt. So he realized I was, I was trying to, to encourage him up into the tree because if they can't climb trees and find food, they won't survive in the wild. So he discovered, of course, my face was really quite... <laughs> <laughs> he then tried to get my eye but he was trying to suck my eye and he was very strong animals very strong yeah. even a young one is stronger than i and he was trying to sort of lick my eye socket and i thought my god i'm going to lose my eye here so i was trying to while still speaking to camera get my hand between his lips and my eye socket so that i could get him on yeah. amusing in retrospect. Yeah, at the time though, yeah. I can imagine that's a terrifying it is a, 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 a wild yeah. animal and so powerful. Slightly, slightly unnerving. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know there are there are a lot of people who say, oh, you shouldn't interact with primates like this. They are so human. They are so like us. They yeah, the eyes so... when it was looking at you oh, um, when you were yeah. teaching it how to eat. I mean it's, when it's she just looked at me, incredible. Just, uh, its eyes. I mean, you you, you just your heart melts. Yeah, it just melt, uh, and you realise the the terrible state they're in and the terrible trouble that we have brought about by growing palm oil. And this is a plant that has only been industrialised for about fifty years. So when when I was a kid, nobody used palm oil. There wasn't any palm oil in food or soaps or detergents. But because it was found in West Africa and it grows very readily anywhere and it produces a huge amount of fruit with very high grade edible oil, it's, um, it's just grown in huge amounts in Indonesia, mm-hmm. Malaysia, and of course they cut down forest. And that's, that's it. And so now probably one item in five that you buy in any outlet shop, any uh, supermarket, will have palm oil in it. Now, you know, I, I don't know what the, the, the answer is, but the way things are going, it's all about money. Everything is about money. It's about shareholders. It's about profits. And I get totally beside myself when people continue to talk about economic growth. You can't have economic growth forever, not on a, right. on a small, not on a finite world with a finite amount of stuff. <laughs> At some point, you will have to not have growth. Exactly. <laughs> he, heaps of the stuff that we make to buy is stuff that we don't actually need. Exactly. Yeah, it's just um, rampant. And it seems, I don't know if it's filling something that people are missing. If they feel that yeah, they, there's a whole they are there. missing the natural world, get yes. outside. <laughs> Actually, I read about, I think it's in uh, Japan or maybe South Korea, there's um, ideas of making forests and forest bathing and just spending time there in um, the natural environment. That idea has been around for a while. Um, and it, it is, it, we, we've become so 
divorced from the the real world, as I say. Mm-hmm. Um, that yes, you 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 do. I I will say whatever problems I've got, whatever heartaches I've got. An hour walk in a forest, yeah. and if you don't feel better at the end of it, I'd be amazed. Yeah, definitely. That's something I found actually. Um, having Anton and starting to actually go out more again than just walking and exploring like the environment yeah. and the cliffs, just yeah. how beautiful it is. Actually, you do yeah, you can is. stand there and look at it, and it's just wonderful. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, Anton, is it is it half term now? Um. Yeah. It is, and I'm really excited so for it. <laughs> you're 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 off for a week now, is it? Yep. Um, and it's also my mum's birthday um, during the half-term, so it's going to be really fun. Yes. And what are you going to do when you have them? Um, I might do some of my hobbies, because I like uh, making little plastic models um, and play some, games, uh, play some games and go outside. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you got the, the final one in there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Going back onto insects for a bit, um, do you like all insects? I mean, uh, things like parasites. I, I think yeah. a lot of people are going to be really adverse to them, but I guess they yeah. are just living their life, aren't you, they? You can't pick and choose. Yes. You know, uh, and that, I think, is to a large extent what we try to do. We like nature as long as it's on our terms. Yes. You know, we don't want horse flies. We don't want mosquitoes. We don't want anything that sucks our blood. Mm-hmm. But we quite like fluffy things <laughs> and we quite like birds, as long as they don't, you know, poo on your house. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I just think we, we have a very bizarre view of the natural world. And mm-hmm. what we have to do is to accept that we are a part of the natural world and we are here because of the natural world, we are not in control of it, although we imagine we are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I find the cycles that you find, life cycles of wasps and other things that attack other things and eat them inside. It's fascinating. It's yes. fascinating, <laughs> and it's not it's not gruesome particularly. Um, it's just any way that can evolve for an organism to survive mm-hmm. and there yes. are some pretty weird ways of doing it yes <laughs> is it warm where you are i asked you before yeah it's I mean, quite you... warm at the moment so uh, are you not having a swim come on <laughs> In the swim. surely face mask and snorkel surely oh i do have um, a snorkel i might go swimming actually it might be a nice um uh-huh. Birthday present really? with my mum. Absolutely. Yeah. A wetsuit, you know, and you and you, you know, if you if 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 you have a simple wetsuit, you, you can spend an hour in easy. Wonderful, yeah. I'd be doing that. Yeah. Wow. And different world down there as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. If you could visit any time or place in history and in the world, and um, where would it be? Would it be maybe um, 300 million years ago when you had... Yes, no, absolutely. Yes. Uh, there'd be several places in the Earth's history that I would like to go and visit. One would be the early period 
when arthropods first came, eventually came from the sea onto land. Yeah. Uh, but much more than that, about 350 million years ago in the swampy forests of the Carboniferous, <laughs> that would be amazing because insects yeah. were quite large then. Some of them had a wingspan of sort of, you know, that sort of size. You know? Yeah, incredible. That would be great. I, I would love to go back then and just record all the stuff that we can only think about. And so we have a few. Um, obviously a few uh, remains of insects from that period. Carboniferous period, there you go. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, actually, I was reading an article about that, and uh, I think it was like a giant um, like centipede or millipede, and the footprints are preserved yeah. in the rock, and yeah, like massive. Yeah, I, I think there's a trail of them on the Isle of Arran, actually. Okay. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a trail there. And they were big. They were, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you'd be picking one of those up and oh, summoning yeah, it? Or... <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. <laughs> what do you well, think if... was your most dangerous encounter? Um, and was it with insects? No, it was a snake, actually. Uh, the most dangerous encounter was when we were filming the dark. So we made it very hard for ourselves when we filmed things at, at night, which is very difficult. And I was doing a forest walk and I saw something move under a palm leaf, which I thought was interesting. So I said to the camera and director, I think there's something under this leaf. Let's, uh, let's have a look. I'm not daft, so I, I used a stick about this long to go. <laughs> and under... under this leaf was a fer de lance snake, which is uh, one of the most dangerous yeah. snakes in South America. Mm. It is responsible for lots of very nasty bites. Uh, and um, they don't like being, you know, they, they don't like having a head torch shone in their face. <laughs> yeah. And this thing was about three times longer than my stick, you know, if not more. So I, I very gingerly replaced the leaf and backed off, to which our cameraman said, I can't see the snake anymore, George. I said, yeah, and you won't be seeing it. You won't be seeing it tonight. Because sure, we were a fairly long way from anywhere resembling a hospital, you know, so um, yeah. had it gone onto my nose, you know, <laughs> I mean, it would have eaten the the enzymes of the saliva of the bite, actually eat away the flesh. So you would, it would oh. actually just oh, eat away all of your face. Yeah, that's nasty. Uh, I, I was very alarmed about that, but it was it, it was close. It didn't happen, but uh, you know, yeah, because you a know. moment. <laughs> I, it did. Yeah, I I I had some dreams after that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. How do you find kind of when you are in the middle of the rainforest? Do you feel really comfortable there now in terms of sleeping? Is it does it feel natural? Yeah, always, yeah, always have done. Um, you know, it's very important to get your hammock right to get it off the ground and get it under a tarpaulin. And and as long as you 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 keep that bit dry uh, uh, as dry as you can, of course, yeah. it's extremely humid. Uh, it's it's a very comfortable place and and okay it can be a bit noisy of course but uh, I, I i enjoy the noise and if you don't enjoy noise just 
get earplugs. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, and always when you're in the jungle, you, by the end of the day, you're very tired. Anyway, so you just sleep like a log, like a log. After I come back from a trip like that, I find it too quiet <laughs> in the UK. Too quiet. Too quiet. Yeah. Anything else you want to ask, Anton? Mm, not really. No. I think we got all our questions answered. Good. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful half term holiday. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Everybody waves at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was amazing. That was so good. Um, yeah, amazing. <laughs> Can't really put into words how awesome that was. I had a great yeah. time chatting with George there. Absolutely lovely guy. And uh, yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Our first proper interview. Sorry, Conquer Cup. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. So uh, well, we've made the big time now. Mm-hmm. And once again, thank you to George for coming on the show and chatting to us. Like, really, really good. Yeah, it was lovely. Anyway, so now that you've listened to that and you realise how awesome it was, I think it'd be quite good if you could review us. Because we actually had a few reviews recently. One in Romania, which I'm going to read out now. And it's from Rustafa. And it goes, Cool show. I really love the family support. Such imaginative and creative content. So thank you very much for that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. If they can do it, so can you. <laughs> and we actually reached number 18 in the Romanian history podcast charts. Yeah, we are. Top stuff. We are. Um, so we'd like some reviews maybe in um, other places of the world. Thank you. <laughs> and where can they do that, Anton? At Apple Podcasts. And then you list the other one because I've forgotten. <laughs> um, yeah, or you can review us on Podchaser or Podbean or... Anywhere you get your podcast, and please also uh, follow us on social media or get in touch. And where can they find us? At Curie Child Pod. Yeah, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, you can also visit the Curiosity of a Child, which is our website, curiosityofachild.com. Sorry, it's our website. But we also have um, a YouTube channel now, which I think we forgot to mention in the last episode. Oh, yes. Which is the Curiosity of a Child um, on YouTube. And I've also got my gaming channel. Which um, has more subscribers. It does. You're doing much better with your gaming channel. Well, that's because are. I've been telling my friends, so I guess. Yes. We're also very proud to be part of the That's Not Canon podcast network. And we're going to introduce another show you should listen to. And I've forgotten what it's called. What's it called? Uh, now that's interesting. Oh, yeah, cool. Now that's interesting. Really, really good. And I've listened to a few of their episodes. And it's well worth a listen because it's not too heavy on the science. It's kind of a mix of kind of philosophy and the way people think and explore. So the episode I listened to was about uh, why people believe the Earth is flat. And it doesn't just say that they are dumb people. As you start talking about why do people have these beliefs? Uh, So it's really good. So let's listen to the trailer. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it doesn't frazzle your brains. Hi, I'm Travis. And I'm Serge. And we are the hosts of Now That's Interesting Podcast. Here we talk about the topics that catch our interest and hopefully spark your curiosity to dig deeper into the world around you. We go into enough detail to get a better understanding of the topic we cover. Say just a bit above your average pub chat. We talk about everything from conspiracy theories here on Earth to rovers on Mars and everything in between. 
Find us on whichever platform you get your podcast fix. So make sure you check out Now That's Interesting, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I think that's a wrap with the show. Really good one. Yeah. <laughs> Fun to do. It was amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, so thank you very much and goodbye. Bye. Love you. Mwah. <laughs>